Your financial choices may discuss various financial-related topics and thus would like to offer the following disclosures. Lori Siebert is employed by Valley National Group, the Valley National Financial Advisors Group of Companies. Investments are offered through Valley National Investments Incorporated, member FINRA. We inform you that any federal tax, state tax, financial advice, or information contained in this communication is not intended to be personalized or specific in nature or to be relied upon for your personal situation in any circumstance. The advice and information are not intended and cannot be used as a tax opinion letter nor used for the purpose of avoiding tax-related penalties. For personalized advice specific to your own situation, we recommend that you consult your CPA, CFP, or attorney. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. I am a CPA, CFP professional, and AEP on the web at yourfinancialchoices.com, and you can listen online each and every week at WDIY.org or on the WDIY listening app, as well as many streaming services. And you can find podcasts of prior shows there as well. Today is November 8th, 2023, my middle daughter's birthday today. Happy birthday, Lauren. The markets were pretty flat today with the Dow closing down at 34,112, the NASDAQ up at 13,650, and the S&P up at 4,382. Our topic tonight is mortgage market update and some stories we'll share with Stan Reinford of Movement Mortgage. We are live tonight. We'll take your questions. Bob and Cindy are in the studio with us this evening. We'll answer your calls, take your information, and we ask you to mute your radio so you can hear me without the delay and we can talk without confusion. We discuss general financial planning topics and not specific investments. And while I typically have a topic each week, you can still ask questions off topic and I'll do my best to answer them. The phone number this evening is 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. If you prefer not to speak live, you can give your question to Cindy and Bob will bring it in and we'll do our best to answer the question. Email is also available through the website yourfinancialchoices.com. So again tonight, mortgage market update and some stories to share and give you some educational information from Stan Reinford. Welcome Stan, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you Glad for to coming. Be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your background and what you do and where you are and uh, then we'll jump into our topic tonight. Yeah, so um, I'm with Movement Mortgage. Um, been in the mortgage lending world for uh, a little over 25 years. Um, in the Lehigh Valley, I help clients from Philadelphia to uh, the Poconos and also in New Jersey also. Um, lived in, I've lived in the Lehigh Valley now for about 33 years. I'm married 32. Um, we have seven dogs. Uh, in fact, my wife's away right now and I have dog duty right now while she's away. Um, but um, we like hanging out. Um, I ride my I ride bicycle. I ride my Harley. I play a little bit of golf and we do some things together. So Wonderful. So you have a flavor of what's going on in the Lehigh Valley is in the real estate world and particularly then how that applies to the mortgage world. Yes. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about tonight. So um, in in preparing for the show, there there is really so much that we can talk about. This is a pretty broad topic. Um, but could you first kind of give us a flavor for what you feel is going on in the mortgage market right now? What kind of updates we we might see? What's the current environment in real estate and um, the lending business now? 
Yeah, so the the best way to describe the real estate market in Leah Valley, it's there's a strong demand. You know, we're connected and very close to New York, Philadelphia, and a lot of the surrounding areas, which has translated into lots of um, multiple bids, um, a lower amount or reduced amount of inventory than we've normally had in the market in the past. Okay, so um, what is what about mortgage rates and how they seem to be impacting? Um, you know, people looking for homes. Yeah, let me let me go through some some numbers and, and some information that you know could um, could could help you and and um, your listeners. You know, um, a lot of people don't realize that if you go back from 1971 till till now, the average interest rate is 7.74 percent. So if you look at what today's interest rate is, we're not that far off. We're right around eight percent. So that in itself, a lot of people are you know, waiting for rates to go down, but yet they don't comprehend that part of it because mm-hmm. the the part during the during COVID was such an anomaly with everything that was happening in the economy that kept interest rates lower for a long time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people have higher um, credit card debt and things like that. So they're not taking into consideration, yeah, I have a 3% mortgage, but yet they're paying 25, 27% for those. Um, you know, that in itself is is um, you know kind of odd when I'm talking to different people, but then there's been a couple of studies. If you look at what um, Case Schiller did, Case Schiller has shown from a um, a value standpoint that if you go back from 1942 till now, the last 80 years, values have gone up or appreciation has gone up 73 times and only gone down seven, and five of those seven years were during the crash from 07 to 12. Um, and, you know, just looking at that number, but now you also have people say, well, I'm going to wait till there's more homes come up to the market. Well, Bank of America just did a study that basically they they published in, in a couple of different areas that surveyed millennials and found out that um, 67% of the 72 million millennials will be looking to get into the housing market in the next 24 months. And there's not enough inventory then on the market, which means prices will continue to be driven up. Absolutely, because most people are looking and waiting for a crash to happen. Well, if that's a case, how could we have that again? You could be waiting quite a while. Right. So um, the sense then when we talk about mortgage market update is, yes, we may see rates come down eventually we can't predict when that is we've seen a little bit of a a dip now but waiting may not be the best option for people because of what you're just saying the the rates the values continue to increase yeah if you just look at normal appreciation that's happening right now um nationwide it's about 5.8 percent so if you you know bought a year ago you're going to have about 5.8% more equity, but if you waited, it's going to cost you more. So right now, if you if a lot of people say that they're waiting for the interest rates to drop 1%, you wait for interest rates to drop 1%, that might save you on a $400,000 home or $400,000 mortgage about $250 more a month. However, by waiting one year and buying a year later, that could cost you $20,000 or more to purchase that home. Yeah, so $250 a month is $3,000 maybe in monthly 
payments right. saved, but you said it could go up almost twenty thousand dollars. Yes, the prices could. Yep. So do you want to trade two hundred fifty dollars a month or three thousand dollars to spend twenty thousand dollars more? Mm-hmm. So do you do you feel like um, people really don't understand these concepts, and this is something that really should be communicated? Yeah, I, I truly do because the media sells negative news obviously it's how they make their money which is great but they could be hurting a lot of people who could be building wealth for their families okay and i i want to as we go through the show stand to talk about you you've been talking about getting a mortgage and buying a home um but mortgages can also be used for paying other things in like refinancing if you have other debt because you had mentioned uh, moments ago people uh, may refrain from buying a house because of interest rates or they may refrain from refinancing because interest rates but they still are carrying other debt that may be much more costly they're they're not seeing the overall picture looking at their um, their whole situation. So I think we can we can talk more about that when we come back from our first break. Uh, folks, if you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. And you can talk live on air with us, or if you're not comfortable talking live, just give your question to Cindy, and she'll write it down, and Bob will bring it in to us, and we'll do our best to answer. Again, 610-758-8810, and we'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including fee-based asset management. It all starts with personal goals and an understanding of risk tolerance, investment objectives, and the markets. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. WDIY members have exclusive access to our weekly member ticket giveaway. That's a new drawing every week for the best events the Lehigh Valley has to offer concerts, festivals, film screenings, theater performances, and more. Last year, WDIY gave away over 2,000 tickets to our members. So don't miss your chance. Become a WDIY member today. Call 610-694-8100, extension 4, or visit WDIY.org. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1. Also available on the WDIY app. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. We're talking with Stan Reinford of Movement Mortgage. Kind of getting a flavor for uh, kind of understanding, uh, lifting up the hood to kind of understand mortgages a little bit more and, and what's going on in the market and the importance of understanding that if you wait for interest rates to go down, Stan, this was kind of the first part of our show. If we're if people are waiting so long for interest rates to go down, prices could correspondingly go up to the extent that they're really in the end paying more, um, even with um, even if they had a lower interest rate. They're paying more for the the home quite often, and because the inventory is already tight, and you mentioned one of the the studies that millennials are going to be coming into the market more and more. Um, There's going to be consistent and continued uh, competition for those homes. Okay, because even now you still look up uh, houses for sale and they're pending quite quickly. 
yes. you're seeing still seeing quick turnover. I know at one point there there might have been like 50 people in line for the house. Now there might be four, but they're still in line. Yeah, so, and they're absolutely, yes. Right, right. Okay. So we kind of have an idea of the mortgages and why we should pay attention even at these current interest rates, which you said are about eight, but over, over um, you know, 50 years, it's been averaging about 7.74. We just got too used to those very low rates, but that the current rate is still kind of um, manageable. But you had mentioned something about um, that... Gosh, I just lost my thought. You had mentioned that uh, folks still have higher debt as well, and they're not paying attention to that. So they're, they're, they're scoffing at an 8% mortgage rate, but they may not be scoffing at a um, 25% credit card or a car loan. So could you talk a little bit about uh, people who might have an existing mortgage? So we kind of talked uh, briefly about people buying a house and having a mortgage, and we can, we're can we going to talk about some of the different kinds of loans in a little bit. But let's kind of give a, a glimpse of a refinance opportunity, even if you think interest rates are higher right now. Why might one look at refinancing? Sure. Um, well, right now, um, statistically, um, the average consumer, again, not everybody, but the average has $96,000 worth of consumer debt, whether that's installment loans, credit cards, all these things that could be, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14, 27% interest. And, and I couldn't believe when you said $96,000, yeah. but when we talked, because I thought it was a typo perhaps, you, you explained that the consumer debt it particularly related to vehicles too. Yes. It, it it is not as far fetched to believe that the average consumer debt could be ninety six thousand when you factor in right vehicles as well. Yeah, the average auto payment right now is uh, somewhere around nine hundred and forty two dollars statistically, which is astronomical. I mean, when I grew up, it was you know I I had a budget of like four hundred dollars, but yeah. you know that's not even in the cards anymore unless mm -hmm. you're paying cash or putting a lot of money down. Mm -hmm. So, which most people don't have that to do. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing to think about is that the average consumer, if they've been in their house for four and a half years or longer, has over two hundred thousand dollars worth of equity in their home. Mm -hmm. So now you could do multiple things. Um, you could take that cash out, consolidate. And yeah, we have clients that debate, do I want to give up that 3% interest rate that I got into a few years ago and trade it for the 8%, but by consolidating, I was telling you a story where I, I helped, we, we looked at clients today where we're going to be able to save them over $1,300 a month by consolidating, and they were the last ones to think that they could even trade that 3% rate for that 8%. But by doing that, we're going to change their the structure of their of their 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 monies on a monthly basis and put them in a better place and it was because in refinancing taking the equity out of the home it was paying off the much higher uh, consumer debt right that they had yeah and then we showed them where down the road when interest rates go down can always refinance again and save even more money because then you're going to be using the appreciation you've earned on that home you know because here's a good stat when interest rates go down 1%, historically, we know that appreciation will go up 5%. So if you look at today's appreciation of, of that 5.8%, interest rates go down 1% next year, it will actually increase appreciation on an average of somewhere around 10%. Hmm. Wow. 
Um, so then the concept is you, you go through the refinancing, you're taking equity out of the home, you're paying off the debt, and um, with the potential that they could refinance at some point. Do you have an idea of when one refinances, what's the typical, um, uh, like a break even for you know, refinancing again, because sometimes people will say, if you're going to refinance, there's fees involved in refinancing. So you want to make sure that you're either going to, you know, stay in the home or whatever it might be for a period of time to make sure that you recoup the, the cost of refinancing. If rates come down, let's say someone refinances today and rates come down a year from now, do you review refinancing again one year later, or do you give it a couple years? Is there kind of a rule of thumb on that, do you know? So the rule of thumb is 1%. However, the big question there is going to be, are we talking apples to apples, where we're talking, are we keeping, are we going from a 30-year loan to a 30-year? Because if someone's doing a real mm -hmm. annual um, meeting with their client, an annual update, I'm one of those guys that I don't necessarily like to go from 30 back to a 30 because if they've been in it for three years now we're really going to a 33 year loan but the question is is what's best for the client because that really helps if also if you have times like you know um two three years ago when interest rates went down pretty good it might be able to do a shorter term loan or something like that right. so i, I saw a lot of people doing that they right. So if they had a 30-year loan and they were in at five years, they had 25 years left, they might have refined to a 20-year. Or even something. a 15, 15 or something right, like that. Right, Okay. Yes. Are there specific terms for loans that people can get? Is it always like 30, 20, 15, 10? So, so it's 10 to 30 on, on, on fives. Now, if you are with a, a lender that services their loans, they can sometimes do the odd numbers too, somewhere mm -hmm. between, you know, I just helped someone and we did a 22-year mortgage. Mm -hmm. So Now, with Movement Mortgage, you're talking about mortgages and refinancing you help people with. Um, home equity, is that something in your realm or is that banks typically? No, nope, nope, we can do, we, we do home equities also. Okay, so. so what would be the difference, Dan, of someone refinancing to maybe consolidate and pay down debt and a home equity? Is the interest rate a big difference on the refi versus a, a home equity um, rate? Yes, but mostly the term. The the term on home equities are much shorter So versus a regular mortgage where you can go out 30 years. You're not going to be able to do that on a home equity. Okay. So there could be situations, which is why it's important to talk to the right person about what might be best for them. They might have had some short-term um, debt that they might not need to go into a full refi. They could do a home equity if they thought they could pay it off within like a few years or something like that. Yes. Okay. And and so you would analyze that when someone comes in, what would be the best terms for them, perhaps. You can walk someone through that decision. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, let's see. What else? So, Stan, we, we want to share some stories tonight as well about um, situations for mortgage um, opportunities. When one goes to get a mortgage, sometimes things fall through. And, um, or if someone is trying to do, you know, maybe even a refi. So I'm hoping that we can share some of those stories. And then once we do that, I do want to take some time to talk about the different kinds of loans that people can get and give them an idea of um, if, if, 
people tonight are listening and they think, well, wait, now he's saying, you know, even if interest rates are where they are, maybe I should go buy a home. What are my opportunities to be able to do that? What if I don't have the full down payment? In in one's mind, someone might think a down payment is 20% and when in fact there could be a lot of other options for them. So we'll cover some of those too. But I thought the stories would kind of set the stage for um, the flexibility that you would have in helping people get into a home or refinance to take care of consumer debt. Folks, we're at our second break. The phone number is 610-758-8810. We're talking with Stan Reinford of Movement Mortgage. And if you have questions, you're welcome to call in live or give your question to Cindy and she'll write it down and bring it into us. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including income tax preparation for individuals, businesses, estates, and trusts. Tax preparation involves more than putting numbers on a return. It requires planning. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. WDIY presents a selection of award-winning public affairs programs weeknights from 6 to 7 p.m., Listen to important conversations regarding art, science, politics, and more here in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Check our website for new topics and archive programs. WDIY Public Affairs on 88.1 FM, streaming at WDIY.org, on the app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1 If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. You can talk live on air with us or give your question to Cindy and she'll bring it in and we'll do our best to answer. I'm speaking with Stan Reinford this evening of Movement Mortgage. And Stan, I thought it might help to set the stage for talking about mortgages with some stories and how as a mortgage broker, is that what you call yourself? As a mortgage broker, you have yes. some flexibility and it, it's don't make assumptions about what you hear on the radio or on television about one's ability to uh, buy a home. And it's that proactive, um, you know, steps one would take rather than reactive, meaning being in front of your decisions gives you more options and opportunities. So I thought maybe you could share some of those stories because I think that makes a difference and helps um, people understand. Yeah, the biggest thing that we see ourselves as, um, most lenders see it as a transaction. We see it as a relationship. So the biggest thing that we want to do is we want to get to the bottom of what's happening, why they're buying, you know, what's going on. Like take the 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 one couple um, uh, couple they were both retired uh, had been looking and pre-approved for six months and it took them a long time to figure out what they wanted because they're taking two households and they're combining it into one and they finally get under contract um, they're on, under contract on like a Monday they get everything over to the lender. The lender sends them an email on Friday and says, "Hey, we got a problem. You no longer qualify." They actually bought a home that was less than what the pre-approval said, less payment, everything. Um, and they make a phone call and they find out that they were just pre-approved all wrong because the person didn't listen. So the <laughs> realtor who had been trying to refer them to us said, hey, now you really got to call Stan and his team. And we got into it and found out that, yeah, their debt ratio that was being qualified was 83 percent 
when a normal debt ratio should be 35, 41, 43. And it turned out that the lender, they had two houses that they're selling, but they did not want to sell those homes until afterwards. And they were told that they did not have to sell them. Well, it turned out that no one really listened to them. They just assumed they were going to sell them, and they didn't. So we were able to figure it out. Luckily, the people had some money in savings that they were able to pay down a little bit of obligations to qualify, and they were still able to keep their loans uh, or keep their homes after closing. Now what they're going to do is they're going to take some of that because they put a little bit less down. They're going to take some of that money afterwards and pay it towards the loan, which is called recasting. And they'll be able to reduce their mortgage payment. Okay. Wow. So uh, they could have listened to hear that it was denied and just walked away from the deal if they hadn't talked to you. Yes. Okay. So you you resolved that um, by having them put less down and then they still qualified. Yes. For the, the first mortgage. Okay, yep. great. Do you know if they ended up selling the one of the homes yet? So just, That's so, me so just being snoopy. That's okay. So we, they just closed there two weeks ago, and they actually have one of them already under contract. And so then they're they're actually then going to be selling the other one afterwards. So. Okay, cool. Um, we had a question come in from Bob in Kutztown. And thank you, Bob, for calling in. And your question was, variable rate mortgages are common. Why has the mortgage industry industry not had variable length mortgages? In, because we were just talking about those fixed lengths. Instead of varying rates, change the length to keep the payment the same. Oh, in- interesting. Well, um Short-term loans or, or arms are tied to you know the treasuries, so they're either they're either one, three, five, seven, or ten years long. So that's all you're really going to get a fixed rate in that environment. So unfortunately, right now because of where prime and all the short-term rates are, because of the inversion of those, they're just not attractive in this market. So okay, yeah, because variable rates could often blow up. That's what happened with the um, housing crisis back when. It was because people had variable rates that they were stepping into much. Like, yeah, there's higher there's rates. there's some different ones out there. There's the coffee, which is the cost of funds index, which goes off of different markets throughout the country and things like that too. So mm-hmm. well, thank you for your question, Bob. I hope that helps. But he was also talking about with that. With the varying length, the other thing is you were saying about relationships and making sure that, you know, um, these uh, opportunities serve the client well, Bob, is sometimes you don't want to extend the length as as Stan referred to earlier when he said you don't want to take a 30-year mortgage that someone has three years in and redo it to another 30 years because now you have a 33-year mortgage. So sometimes in the end, you're paying higher interest when you wouldn't have to. Right. Or markets change. That's why you want to do the annual review and things like that each year to figure out, hey, maybe maybe we need to be in a different you know, type of loan. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So thanks again, Bob. Again, if you have questions, phone number is 610-758-8810. Um, more stories, Stan, to, to demonstrate yeah, so, the opportunity. So one of the things that's been happening the last few years is sometimes sellers are not, you know, they, they might have a different feeling on a different type of loan product. 
take conventional versus government. We had a set of clients who kept losing out because their lender told them that they only qualified for an FHA loan, which great, it has 3.5% down, there's some flexibility, but there are some things that the loan itself, when the appraiser looks at the property, that could stand out, like crack chip peeling paint, all of these things that are, are you know, considered safety hazards or people putting less money down that maybe they don't have the ability to take care of these things. Well, no one really looked to say, hey, can, can we tweak something here to be able to have these clients get into a 3% down conventional? Um, we did a, an, an analysis up front and you know, showed the clients where they had to do, do a couple things for us. They had to do some homework. They had to pay down a couple things. We had to help them there. And we were able to get them into a 3% down loan. And they actually went out and actually, you know, it wasn't immediate, but they, they did finally win. And they were having their offers looked at more. So one might think that the only way you can get in that range, 3.5% down, is FHA, but you actually said conventional financing, you could get a 3% down. And I've had people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go the conventional route, and they think it's 20% down. So that's just a misnomer that to think that you have to have 20% down for a conventional loan. Not the case at all. Correct. And some of the first-time homebuyer programs, a, a like the 3% down program, there's two different counterparts. There's one that has an income restriction, and then there's one that has no restriction. All you have to do is be a first-time homebuyer, which basically means, and a lot of people don't realize this, most people think that a first-time homebuyer means you don't, ha- you can never have bought. The federal rule and, and definition of that is you can't have owned in the last three years in one day. And now you're a first-time homebuyer again. Yeah, I think we're going to reiterate that when we come back from our break. If we're at the halfway point, folks, if you have questions for Stan, Stan Reinford from Movement Mortgage, the phone number is 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including estate planning and tax preparation, especially for Pennsylvania and New Jersey residents subject to state inheritance tax reporting. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Welcome back, folks. If you have questions, phone number is 610-758-8810. We're talking with Stan Reinford of Movement Mortgage. Stan, right before the break, you mentioned um, first-time home buyers that there's a, a special in, um, down payments that they could avail themselves to in conventional financing. And you described and clarified what a first-time home buyer was. I think that's worth repeating because we could have um, people who are in situations where they might have bought a home years ago, maybe had a job, everything was going well. Maybe they ended up having a divorce. Maybe they ended up losing their job and getting another job later. And now, you know, maybe got out of their home and now want to go back into buying. Their situation has changed. They want to buy a home again, and they might not even realize that they could be considered a first-time home buyer again. So, give us those um, that that criteria again, and then let's talk um, about more stories. Yeah. So again, the definition of a first-time home buyer in the mortgage lending world is that they cannot have owned in the last three years in one day. So, lots of clients will come to us and you know that are talking to the lenders to say. Why do I need to show my tax returns? I'm a W-2 employee. Well, the idea is to make sure that you have not shown or declared any mortgage interest on your tax return in that last three years in one day. 
Oh, oh, that's why they're looking. Yes. Oh, but what if you don't itemize anyway? Someone can have a mortgage nowadays without itemizing, so you must have to check for um, loans as well. Correct. We do. Okay. So, and it's going to show up on their credit report. On the credit right. report. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, so you cross-reference, which is yep. which is great. Okay. So um, we were talking before the show about a story that I think is could be of interest to people as well. If someone's going through a divorce, and quite often you'll see where one party may choose to stay in the home and has to buy out the other party uh, and there's some nuances to that if one doesn't have the funds to buy out the other party and the equity is all in the home could you kind of describe that for me what we were talking about for our listeners who may be in that situation yeah sure so we recently had um, client um, who had been married for a number of years um, and changed professions and then you know, during the, the, the split up that they had, and actually they were in a self-employed type position. So they would have had to stay in that position for two years before buying out the other or getting a mo- mortgage, period. Um, and they, they, the ex wanted their money out of it or sell the home. They wanted to stay in the home, so um, we were able to go to a family member and get a family member to co-sign they had income. We just couldn't verify it. We, we knew what they had, but they didn't meet all the rules of the lending part of it. So what, they, what we did is they got a property settlement agreement, had exact monies that were being paid to the significant, significant other. And by doing that, we were able to do it as a regular, what we call rate and term loan. Um, they had actually met with another lender who was actually going to be doing it differently because there's two different ways. If it's written into the property settlement agreement, then it's actually considered in the in the eyes of the lender kind of a lien against against the situation, not necessarily against the property. So that's an, a specified amount. It's going to someone specifically as part of equity transit transformation uh, or transfer. Um, so this actually saved the money. We did it as a real written term and saved them a few thousand dollars in fees by doing that. Okay. And do you typically see that in the property settlements that they um, specify the, the buyout of the real estate? They do. They either put a specified amount, a flat amount, or they do so much in equity after an appraisal okay. is completed. All right. So. so that's important to make sure that that's written in right. there and that you provide that property settlement to the mortgage provider. Right, but a lot of lenders get that all wrong. Okay. Um, All right, so you had mentioned that changing professions could could cause an issue, and I hadn't realized that either. So um, when someone changes professions, that may impact their ability to get a loan? Yeah, we had had someone that was in one form of of employment, um, grew tired of it, and decided to change change careers we had pre-approved them originally and said hey please we'd we'd recommend that you not do this but they were already in the transition of doing it and had a job offer Um, so we were fortunate enough that again not treating it as a transaction treating as a relationship asking all the right questions and here we found out that they had done they had been in this employment field many years ago so it wasn't as though they were starting brand new Mm -hmm. they missed it and they're like wait a minute i kind of like that i want to get back to that Mm -hmm. so we were able to go back tie it all together and be able to then um, help them with a mortgage if they would have been changing say from 
you know, a laborer to a truck driver, then yeah, we'd have to then, and they hadn't done that before, then we would have had, they might have had to wait. I don't think I ever would have been aware of this or realized it. So that is really something also kind of in preparing or thinking about uh, buying a home or, or getting a mortgage that you, you might want to consider your work history and whether that would apply. So Stan, if someone's only been working for a year in their profession, maybe someone coming out of college, they get a new job, they're making $100,000 their first year, it's great. They may not be able to get a mortgage because they've only been doing it for a year or? No, actually that one's not necessarily okay. true. So <laughs> so because again, if, if they're a business major and they're going into business of some sort, then yeah, they have their college education okay. as an employment um, type history. We're asking for transcripts. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. So you get credit for that. You do. Okay. Yes. That's good. Okay. What, uh, what other stories? We had, uh, someone relocating to this area. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we had clients that were, that were relocating, um, and they didn't have any family here. They arrived and they were already pre-approved. And then all of a sudden, they started having some issues with qualifying and things like that. And here we found out that for some reason, the lender did not look at the income properly up front. Again, they don't always do their due diligence. Um, and w they found that their debt ratio was too high, even though they bought within the limits. And all of a sudden, they were getting denied. So we were able to jump in. We got called in from their, their realtor to, to, to sit down with them and then found out how to dig for some dollars to help them qualify. And it was just a matter of, of really going through their, their pay stubs and everything because they, they were relocated here by their employer. So there was a way to dig for those dollars and help out. Now, we had to change programs from a conventional loan to a government loan, uh, FHA, that allowed more flexibility, but we were able to do that. Okay, good, good. Um, and moving to a bigger home, how about that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, lots of clients, you know, for some reason, um, their family's growing. They've kind of kind of grown out of, of everything there, and they need, they need places to, to work instead of working around the kitchen table and things like that. Um, we helped this client. They, they were afraid, again, to give up their low interest rate mortgage. They had accumulated all this equity, so we were able to take some of that equity, pay down some of their obligations, and then take that out of there, pay it down, and they were able to then afford the higher payments. Okay, um, to move to that bigger home. Now, they right. might have had a higher interest rate. They do. They traded a 3% loan for about an 8% rate. Okay, so. but the concept there, again, as we mentioned at the top of the show, in case someone's just tuned in, is that if you wait and wait and wait, the prices, the values of the homes that you're buying are going up as well. So you could miss the boat on that. Right, because if you have 5% appreciation on 300000 versus 5% on 400000 yes. Okay, and the remark back to that thought would be, oh, people are waiting for a market crash. And a statistic that you gave earlier, I think was coming out of Bank of America, was that we have 67% um, of like 70 some million millennials who are going to be trying to get into the uh, real estate market yes. um, as well. So we don't see that there could be necessarily a market crash. We, I mean, we're just talking educational tonight. Um, uh, but 
no guarantees, no, uh, you know, exact numbers, but it's not likely if we have that many people coming into the market. Right. Well, if you go back to 2000 to the to the 2007 to 2012, there were an excess of four million listings at one point, which is more more listings than there were borrowers. And a normal market should have about two million, according to the statistics. But right now we're a little over a million listings nationwide, but we have a bigger population now than we did then, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's. Um, thanks for the stories. I think that helps set the table that uh, if if one door shuts, you have to look for the windows <laughs> to go through, and that there could be opportunities. Whether it might be changing up the kind of loan that one has, or being able to interpret the documents a, a little bit better, as you said, with like variable pay and looking at pay stubs and employment history and kind of going back in time. So that's great. That's part of the relationship and getting to know the client. So let's talk about some of the, the different kinds of loans that you mentioned for people who may be thinking about, well, okay, now maybe I should take the, the plunge even though interest rates are high. Um, what kind of loans might one be looking at if now, Stan, because the interest rates have gone from 3 to 8%, my payment's going to go up. So maybe now I can't, or I'm thinking I can't, um, afford as much of a down payment or something like that, what might be some of their options if we could talk about some of the different kinds of loans? What would be important for our listeners to know? Yeah, so well, I'll start with the VA since we got Veterans Day coming up. So um, VA is a zero down for qualified veterans or surviving spouses, and it can be used on a one to four family um, property, multi-unit. Um, you've got USDA, which is our other zero down, which is in eligible areas. Um, if you go um, south of the Lehigh Valley and just north of the Lehigh Valley, um, USDA, they have maps, which they'll tell you that they're eligible or not eligible. They do have income res- restrictions, but it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty flexible. So um, that's one of the other zero down loans. Um, we talked about conventional. Conventional is 3% down, as we as said before, which is either income restricted or not income restricted. Sorry, Stan, can I just go back to conventional for a moment? So conventional, does that just mean non-government? Yeah, it means non-government. So, okay. so And VA and USDA and FHA are all considered government? Yes. Okay. Yes, they are. All right. So conventional would be a mortgage broker or bank or something is doing the lending. Yeah, but you, there are some brokers and, and things like that that do um, the government okay. loans also. Okay. So but All not right. everyone does. Okay. So yeah. All right. So conventional, three percent down minimum. Yes. Okay. Because it could be more down. You can That's, always put more down. You can always put more down. <laughs> okay. And, and but you're right, uh, your earlier comment that a lot of people think, hey, I gotta have twenty percent down and that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. So the average conventional low down payment is five percent. Okay. Average is five percent. Okay. Yep. So conventional. Yep. Um, and then, um, as I said, FHA is also a one to four family also that you can purchase owner occupied. Um, they do have, um, purchase price, I'm sorry, loan amount limits, um, which is again, pretty generous. I think the, the loan limit here in the Leah Valley is right around $472,000. It does it, it depends on the area. The depends on the county. Yes. Okay. Yep. County. It's, it's okay. all by counties. Okay. So, yep. So FHA has a loan amount limit. 
And and the down on an FHA is three point five percent down. Three point five percent down minimum. Okay, I want to talk about these in a little bit more detail um, when we come back from our last break. If you have questions, the phone number is six one zero seven five eight eighty eight ten. That's six one zero seven five eight eighty eight ten. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services including portfolio management, tax return preparation, and financial planning for the accumulation years, retirement years, and estate distribution. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. American folk music offers a variegated pattern of performers and styles. I'm Tom Druckenmiller, your host for In the Tradition. Together we'll trace the roots and branches of American folk music from the earliest recordings and performers through today's talented players. In the Tradition, Wednesday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. on WDIY 88.1 FM and WDIY.org. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1 I have Stan Reinford with me in the studio, and we he's from Movement Mortgage, and we're talking about mortgages and some uh, important as, uh, aspects of that, um, using it to buy a home and or to refinance and perhaps reduce some of that other high-cost debt, um, even with interest rates as they are. You know, we think of 8% sounds high compared to what we have been used to over the past several years. But if you're carrying 25% credit card debt, um, a, a refi still could look attractive. So, you know, you have to kind of understand the opportunities in your own situation. Um, we've shared some stories tonight um, to demonstrate how there could be... Um, alternatives to one if you feel that you um, were locked out of you know a pre-approval that you thought you had or uh, you know getting a, a mortgage that you know went awry there could be some other opportunities if one lifts the hood as I've said earlier lifts the hood to see what's going on with the um, mortgage opportunities so Stan we were ta if you have questions the phone number is 610-758-8810 we still have time you can talk live on air with us or off air um, give your question to Cindy um, you mentioned some of these various loans so I just want to ask you some quick questions on those and then of course give you plenty of time um, to share any other important information that you think would be helpful to our listeners. Uh, you mentioned the government loans. VA loan was a 0% down. You had mentioned the FHA loan, which is 3.5% down, but you said there's loan limits on that. It's based on county. I think you said Lehigh County or, or Northampton was 472000 about that. Um, what about the VA loan and the USDA loan with zero down? Are there loan limits on those as well? So... Yes, there are. Um, well, on the VA. So VA follows conventional loans. Conventional um, is right around $750,000. Anything over that is a jumbo. Mm -hmm. So VA is going to follow that also. Um, USDA is based on the income qualification. So there really isn't a loan limit but it's going to be based on how much they qualify. Okay. For. And it and it's again in certain eligible areas. So okay, one. Yep. All right. So then the conventional loan 3% um minimum, you said the average is about 5% down. Um 
what else one might one need to know about the mortgages? Yeah. It, These it, kinds of mortgages. Each one's a little bit different. I mean, you know, like debt ratios. Debt ratios are, are um, you know, there's, there's kind of a... Um, a, a set flexibility, and and yes, we like to say that they're kind of set in stone, but there's always flexibility. Um, conventional loans are not going to be as flexible as government. Um, government loans are those kinds that, for some reason, um, you can be a little more flexible in the debt ratio. And so instead of being 45, maybe if you have to stretch it to go to like 48 or something like that, if something's going on. Um, student loan obligations. Government loans tend to use a different calculation for student loans that for some reason are deferred versus conventional. So that's one of the biggest differences between Mm -hmm. those. So Um, would it be more advanced, like if someone comes in, as our our little story earlier, a college student comes out making $100,000, if they have student loan debt, would they end up falling possibly into the government loan then instead of a conventional loan because of how it's factored in the student loans? It depends. First, is it something? Is the payment reported on their credit report? Mm. If it's not reported on their credit report, then we have to use a, a factor based on that type of loan. But it it's all up in that it's whatever that review is that the lender does or we do. Then that's going to determine which way to go. Okay. And then also, how much money do they have to go with? There's also credit scoring too. I mean, where are their credit scores? Because that does have a factor in the mortgage insurance different too because on conventional there's there's um, um, government loans have a fixed PMI payment where conventional is based on the down payment plus the different range of PMIs. Okay. And PMIs is private yep, private private mortgage mortgage insurance. insurance. And if you don't have twenty percent down, then you're probably gonna have to pay the private mortgage insurance. Correct. But and a lot of people don't realize this, if you go back five, ten years ago, private mortgage insurance was much more expensive. Mm. It's actually come down a lot. And if there's multiple people on a on a multiple persons on a loan, it actually then decreases that a little bit too because it will it will spread out that that um, that difference of the loan. Okay, so. and and also with valuations going up, it could be advantageous for someone to review the equity in the home because even though they didn't have twenty percent down when they bought the home, five years later they might have twenty percent equity and they could uh, forego the PMI. Yes, and we've seen that a lot, especially going back to what I had said before that if you look at the average person that's owned a home for four and a half years or more, they have over $200,000 worth of equity. So there's always been that opportunity there. Okay. So. Now, as you said you try to do like an annual review with your clients. Um, do you typically talk about that or review that as well with them? We do. Okay. Yes. All right. So um, the the mortgages, we talked about the VA. How, how many VA loans do you really see? Are people taking advantage of that, do you feel? Because you also said it could be a surviving spouse. Yes. Yep. Yep. So someone that had, um, you know, they lost their spouse due to a war type or or a military type, you know, uh, 
issue that happened, they have to be awarded that on what's called their certificate of eligibility. It actually oh, has to okay. say that. So, okay. so we just can't assume that that's what it was. It actually will say that on their certificate of eligibility. We see a fair amount. I mean, obviously, you're seeing the conventional loans uh, are the large majority. But yes, um, veterans usually will take advantage of it because, again, they can do zero down. Now, so. do, is there any advantage on the interest rates or no? No, there's okay. Really it's just the down that is really factoring in on all of these. It's the down payment on the various kinds of loans you yes. get. Yes. Yep. Okay. For the most part. Now, yep. can we go back to because um, I think this is worth mentioning? You said credit score. Can you give our listeners a little idea of the impact of their credit score on their ability to get um, a more competitive interest rate on their mortgage? Because we kind of said the average mortgage rate right now is eight percent, but that could be impacted by one's credit score. Score. So could you kind of give us a little primer on that? Yeah, you know, one of the, one of the misnomers is is a lot of the advertisement advertising that goes on about interest rates is it assumes everyone falls into the same category. We're all every situation's a fingerprint. It's all different. Whether it's whether they have, you know, a little bit higher debt ratio or lower debt ratio, um, their credit scores are higher or lower. But you know, the average person they assume in advertisements has a 740 credit score. Well, what if you have a 699? There's going to be a difference in the interest rate and also the PMI, the private mortgage insurance, if, if you're putting less than 20% down. So those are big factors that a lot of lenders don't explain to the clients or show the difference. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the big key or where interest rates are today versus anything else. You know, it also plays a part into homeowners insurance and things like that. Now we're finding with the credit clients score. too. Yes. So Stan, if, if someone has, uh, they're thinking about buying a home and their credit score is that 690 and you said the assumption is seven what? 740 in all advertisements, okay. if you ever look at that. So if I came to you and I had a 690 and you you said, hey, if you can get this to a 740, we might be able to get you a better uh, rate, mortgage interest rate. How long would it take me to get my 690 to 740 if I, you know, worked on paying down my debt? Do you have any idea of that? So have you I, ever had to help someone get their credit score up? So we have. We've helped lots. So we do We do what's called a credit simulation. We Our credit bureau actually works on that for us. They'll, te- they'll actually, we, we tell them what credit score that we're looking for for the client, and they'll tell us exactly what the client does or needs to do, and we give them that to that client as their homework to do. Okay. It could take them a month. It could take them two months, three months. We've had some that sometimes took longer. Well, if it takes too much longer, now let's look at what that difference in payment is, because maybe they shouldn't, especially in the market that we're that we're in. If it's going to take too long, maybe we should just jump in with a different product or, or something like that. Because but, going back to the prices going up, yes. So it, it, there's really a whole confluence of events here. But if if someone is is going to buy a home and they know they're going to do it in six months, this is their opportunity now to work on that credit score. I didn't realize you could um, uh, impact the credit score so quickly, um, and that's good to know. It's not like your cholesterol score <laughs> takes takes longer right. than, than a month or two. Right. But that's really important to know. So you go through this simulator. Can you briefly talk, because um, we talked about this on the last show, can you briefly talk about the difference in, in what you do with the pre-approval that other mortgage brokers may not be doing and why you 
don't often have those surprises that you some people have come to you with the surprise like wow we thought we were pre-approved and now we didn't get our loan what happened you go through a, a little bit of a different process yeah well, well the industry itself teaches people that hey you find a house go ahead and just get pre-approved then which in reality yeah i guess you could do that but there's a lot more stress put on that person because there's three different types of approvals there's a prequal which basically says hey lender pulled your credit you probably went in, did their customer questionnaire online, and then a lot of times it'll, it you know, information in is as good as the information that comes out, really. So was it accurate? We don't know. But it's spitting out a pre-approval, and they're basically saying, hey, here you go. The next step is you're taking care of all that, plus then you're also submitting all your documents question is is did someone really look at your documents because we go back to that first couple that i told you did anybody really look at that information because they they upload it and goes into buckets as we call what we like to do is we take all that information we do a client analysis and we're we're meeting with them up front they're doing all that information and then we have a face-to-face appointment with them where then we're going through the whole process. We're going back over all their their notes, everything. But then we're also submitting all that to an underwriter. We're collecting everything. We have an underwriter that's not us because I'm in sales. I'm not an underwriter of any means. Yes, I've had 25 plus years of experience. And yes, I can look at tax returns. I can do all of that. And I can analyze pay stubs, whether there's overtime, whatever. But I need that uh, that underwriter like there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I need that underwriter there because sometimes our underwriter is going to say, "Hey, Stan, you got them in this program. Did you consider this one too?" Mm-hmm. Because then there's some flexibility, and now we have a little bit more ammunition to go out to the client and be more flexible. But we actually then send out that pre-approval as a pre-underwritten pre-approval. Mm-hmm. So now in the low inventory market. That's going to give them more advantages also. Because there's no surprises right there right. at the end. Okay, Stan, thanks so much for coming on and um, giving us a, a, an update on all this. And the story sharing, I think, is really important to understand um, that a, a deal doesn't necessarily have to be a done deal. If someone tells you so, you could do a little bit of um, under-the-hood uh, research and understanding and maybe different uh, types of loans. And that's all great. Um if people would like to reach you, what is your phone number? Yep. Um, my cell is the best number to get me on. It's also my, my office cell. It's 610-217-5241. And do you have a website, Stan? We do. Um, it's r- real simple. They can just go to www.stanreinford.com. And Stan Reinford, R-E-I-N-F-O-R-D. Stan, thanks so much for being here. Um, thank you. Bob and Cindy, thanks for being here. Norm, thanks for being here. Listeners, thank you uh, for listening and Bob for calling in with his question. Uh, questions can also be submitted through the website, yourfinancialchoices.com. I did have uh, one come in and I have replied to that via the email, but they had asked about the Schedule D worksheet um, in preparing their tax return, particularly for people who self-prepare. Don't miss out on the special favorable tax, uh, capital gains tax rates that uh, apply. And the only way you can calculate that is by doing the worksheet, which is available on irs.gov. Just search for Schedule D capital gains tax worksheet, and it'll help you uh, calculate it. Um, co- next week, we have more Medicare updates 
Rates with Dan Banks of Silver Crest Insurance. Coming up next, we have Tom Druckenmiller within the tradition folk music. Remember, pay attention, be proactive, not reactive. Make the best of your financial choices and have a great week. (laughs) 